So I think at some point you have to look yourself in the mirror and you're going to start to say, am I going abroad? Yes or no? When am I going abroad? Give yourself a date. And am I going to start this business? Not like someday. At some point, you got to stop lying to yourself because you're not a punk and you know if you're lying to yourself or not. You know what's up. At some point, you are actually going to have to either go or stay. And right now you're just staying, which is fine. But at some point, you got to stop talking about it. You got to be about it. Let's just get real. In 12 weeks, a lot of things can change for you, right? A lot of things can change. Let me be real. Like, I launched my podcast in 12 weeks. That's no, I'm not joking. I launched it and it did what it's doing what it's doing. A lot of things can really change, can change the trajectory of your life. That's no BS. So you really have to start thinking to yourself, if not now, then when? Especially like, you're like, well, I'm going in for you, I'm going to you. Well, at what point are you actually going to start like taking the actions to do what you said you're going to do? You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to do a triathlon, at what point are you going to start swimming <laughs> and biking and running? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Hey, everyone. This is Christine Job, the host and creator of Flourish in the Foreign, an award-winning podcast that elevates, celebrates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad while exploring living abroad as a pathway to wellness. And this is a special mini-season all about how to build a business abroad. This mini-season is designed to answer all of your burning questions and to give you actionable steps for you to get closer to leveraging your own talents and skills into building an asset of your own so that you can support yourself financially while pursuing a thriving life abroad. It is time for you to benefit from all of your brilliance, your expertise, your experience, your skills, your talents, your natural je ne sais quoi. It's time for you to pour all of that back into yourself and build an asset for you to thrive on. Today's episode is all about the Build a Business Abroad Guide and the 12 main considerations you need to deeply contemplate and have at least a cursory knowledge of if you decide to build a business abroad. Regardless of that business is online or a physical entity, which we will get into because there are nuances there. These are things that you need to think about deeply. Even if you have an online business and you just run it from your computer, there's definitely some considerations for you to really make sure you have a handle on. And I just want to give you a little bit disclaimer. At the end of this episode, you may have more questions than answers. And it's built that way. <laughs> it's for you to then take all the ideas that have been swarming in your brain. And then here are some considerations for you to kind of put up against those. And if you do have some questions, I highly suggest you go to the appropriate professional to get those questions answered so that you know what's up before you make any large investments or anything like that. Okay. Hey everyone, it's me, Christine, the host and creator of Flourish in the Foreign, which is, of course, the podcast and platform that elevates and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad. Today, I want to talk about building a business abroad, build a business abroad, roadmap, business strategy guide. There are just some things in this guide that I think are just so important for you to consider. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, just do whatever online and go abroad and it'd be fine. And I'm here to tell you, no, I'm here to have, I'm here to tell you to have a plan 
with your business and to actually have a business because let's be frank you do not have a business if you do not make money if you do not convert you do not have a business you have a hobby period and so i want you if you're interested in taking a business abroad to support yourself or if you want to build a business while you're abroad i want you to have like the one-on-one foundation or at least i want you to have these things marinating in your mind before you say oh i'm just going to do whatever online or i'm going to do whatever in this in this other country because i want you to succeed period i'm not here to tire you i'm not here to make you scared at all i want you to thrive and i want you to do all the things you want to do but let's be clear that there are just some considerations that must be like taken into account. You need to be able to really understand what your capabilities are, what you are willing to do, because you may go through this guide. You may finish this discussion and be like, I don't want to have a business. I think I just want to live off my investments or I want to work abroad, whatever it might be. And that's fine. I'm not the kind of person that's going to be like, everybody should have a business. The first step when developing a business, especially if you don't have an idea and you are like, I just want to go abroad. I want to work for myself, which I think is an amazing thing to do. Let me tell you why, especially if you are a black woman who's watching this, but if you're not, this can apply to you as well, but I'm, spe I'm speaking specifically about black women who are watching this right now, especially if you're from the United States, you are probably experienced being undervalued. You have experienced being overworked. You have been extremely confident, but still undermined. And this is an opportunity for you to utilize your gifts, your talents, your expertise, you're just intrinsic knowing about your field in the elevation of yourself, in the pursuit of a life well lived on your own terms. That's what this is for. OK, so that's why I'm a big advocate for building a business if you want to go abroad, because I believe that all of my clients I've worked with are experts and extremely competent and they are just bad mamma jammas who've been using their brilliance in service to entities and people to build up their own bottom line and their own dreams. And what I have and what I consult my clients to do is to do it in the pursuit of their own dreams. And sometimes that is what, like, that's what trips people up. They can do it for other people. But doing it for themselves is a whole nother thing. So the first step to building a business abroad is you must define what professional wellness means to you and financial wellness means to you. A lot of times people have never, ever considered professional wellness or financial wellness. We think of wellness as getting a massage, going to the spa, taking a nap, all these things, which is important. But it's really important that if you're going to build a business that you understand where has the deficit been in your professional life? Where's the deficit been in your financial life? And understanding what is your vision for your professional life and what is your vision for your financial life? I think this is something that you need to consider before you even go abroad. And it's definitely something that if you're already abroad, you need to get a clear definition to anchor yourself and your experience because going abroad does not change your life like in the ways that people think it's going to change. Transporting yourself from one city to another city doesn't have magic fairy dust coming down and transform your life like you are Cinderella. It doesn't do that. And what people find is that they will go abroad, especially if they're trying to escape something for a new chapter, but without any introspection, without any intentionality, without any kind of plan. And they will attract the exact same cycles and circumstances and people that they did at their, in their home country. You don't have to trust, you don't have to trust me or believe me. You can go to so many different expat forums and see that's the case. So 
when building a business abroad, it's important that you understand what does professional wellness mean for you? Meaning, how do I want to be of service? How do I want to transfer my knowledge, my expertise, and my experience to other people? Who do I want to serve? How do I want to serve? What problems do I want to solve? In what capacities? And how do I want that to look like? What kind of experiences do I want to have? It's really important for you to understand what that professional wellness definition is for you. Because a lot of us, even if you're retired, people have still professional wellness that they want to maintain. It's just who we are. That's why people who may be retired, they volunteer, they teach, they do so many different things because there is an innate something within us that wants to serve in some capacity, that wants to have this transfer of knowledge, that wants to help people solve problems. So first step is figure out what your definition of professional wellness is. The next one is defining what financial wellness means to you. Too often people will go abroad and they'll say it's cheaper there. So apparently it's just being cheaper there is all you need. It's going to solve all your problems. That's not true. Again, like I said before, oftentimes people bring the same habits and the same cycles to wherever they move to. So if you weren't good at money in Atlanta, moving to Bogota or Medellin is not going to make you better at money just because things are cheaper. And that is something that people don't believe me. But again, check the forums, check and talk to more expats because you will see the same cycle. It is a relationship that you have with money. It's a relationship that you have with value. It's a relationship with whatever. It does not get healed by you just moving to a different country. It doesn't. So it's really important for you to understand what does financial wellness mean to you? Perhaps it means making a certain amount of money. Perhaps it means being able to experience a certain kind of lifestyle. Perhaps it means having a certain kind of nest egg of investments. There's so many different ways to really articulate what financial wellness means to you. And I really implore you to take this time to define it on your own terms because a lot of us have been given definitions of what success financial success is all these things by society by who you're raised by all these kinds of notions of what financial success is or success and therefore what financial wellness may look like for us it's really important that you understand what is what does it actually mean to you what do you actually want to experience what does financial health look like for you as you build a business but also as you go abroad so that you can create a plan that is in alignment with that definition and that vision of health for yourself it's important it's also important to understand that you may have had a vision for yourself for a long time and you never really believed in it you, you either never believe in it because you never really wanted these things and self-sabotaged or you never really believe that you're worthy of it. These are things that I'm telling you right now. You may be like, Christine, what are you talking about? What does this have to do with anything? It has to do with so much. Yes, it has to do with so much. You want to start having these conversations, do, start doing these kind of journaling exercises with you now because it will come up to the surface when you're abroad. It's just the nature of being placed in cultures or situations that are just different from you. A lot of these dissonant feelings will get stirred up by very minor things because they're symptoms. And because we've been living kind of on autopilot, everything has just been like chill. Everything's just been just below the surface. All you need is one little thing to agitate you and everything like comes to the surface and everything falls apart, right? It's so important for you to start taking these steps to be introspective. It's just key. And if you don't, you play yourself because guess what? Even if you decide not to be introspective, the process of going abroad and making a life abroad will make you very introspective. It will make you really think about what you value, what you really need. And don't you want to do that before you select maybe a country or a city or a neighborhood or your game plan? Don't you really want to be tapped into what is it that you really want? And let me tell you, this process, I actually wouldn't necessarily share with anyone at first. 
if you have a partner, obviously you guys need to be on one accord. But I think at first you need to be able to say the things you need to say, write the things you need to write. Because a lot of times we lie to ourselves and we keep things down or we omit things. You need to get them out because they will be exposed abroad. They just... It just is what it is. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know all the reasons why, but that's just what it is. So I'm going to step off my soapbox because you'll be like, why does that have to do with building a business? It has everything to do with building a business abroad. Trust me. So first, define what professional wellness means to you. And second, define what financial wellness means to you. Because these are going to be part of the skeleton that's going to build a sustainable and viable business for you abroad and that's the whole point you don't want to be doing something just to be doing it so you can be abroad that makes no sense it makes no sense to go abroad just to endure it makes no sense to go abroad just to struggle when that's not your that's not your only option because you could have just stayed home so please take the time to be introspective now because if not life will humble you and make you do it anyway that's just how that works all right the next step in the build a business abroad strategy guide that I have, go to the link in the bio, check it out, download it and sit with some tea or a glass of wine and start thinking about these kind of questions so that you can be on one accord with yourself when you say you want to build a business to go abroad or build a business while you're abroad so that you can be on one accord and so that you can really craft a business that makes sense for you. The second one is to know why. Why do you want to go abroad? Why do you want to build a business abroad? Because you don't have to build a business abroad. You could just work for somebody. You don't have to, you know, build a business abroad. You could work remotely. You could just live off your investments. You could have, I don't know, some kind of sugar daddy, sugar mama sponsor. I don't know. I don't know the situation. Like, why? That's really important. Let me give you an example. My why for building a business abroad is really because it is like the only life I know. <laughs> from a, so Since I graduated from law school, I joined a startup and I have just been a type of person that likes to create and likes to create their own thing and go after it. It is not an easy life because if you are a solopreneur, you do all the things. You go out and hunt and you gather and you cook it and you do all the, th you do all the things, right? At least at the very beginning, especially when you're trying to refine a concept, refine who the ideal customer is, what is the exact offering. There's a lot of different things that go along with it, right? So it's not necessarily something that be embarked upon because you think it's easier than getting a job abroad so that's not right <laughs> and I know that getting a job abroad gets a bad rap because people think it's really hard but I really think it's more of people aren't strategic just like building a building a business abroad is not the hardest thing to do but to have success you must be strategic so I feel like this is a conversation that has to be had and it's going to be had for sure. But why do you want to build a business abroad? That needs to, you need to really think about that. Why do you want to work for yourself? That needs to be answered for sure. And the answer cannot be, I know I'm going to say cannot be because it's easier than getting a job abroad. The third step is you need to know your number. The number is, Past financial wellness and what that means to you is you need to understand what your ideal or your current lifestyle is going to cost in your target destination. Keeping in mind that you will most likely still have expenses, we'll say if you're from the US, in the United States, you will probably still have expenses, something. You got a storage unit, you got some property, you got Netflix. I don't know what else, but you have things that you still have to pay for. So it's important for you to understand what the financial situation is so that as you are doing the research and you are putting together what the business looks like, you can actually say, oh, I can make this business work pricing my services or my products at this level with this volume and that's doable for me or I can do this full time projected in a year and a half or two years. It's important for you to understand that. 
It's also important to get really comfortable with numbers because as you're running a business, you need to be very mindful of what goes out and what comes in because you might be like, I made all this money. But if you have a high overhead for some reason or whatever you do, I don't know, it doesn't work. You got to think about taxes. You got to think about a lot of things, which we are going to get to. But it's important for you to know what your number is. Again, a lot of people are like, I'm going to move to whatever place. It's going to be cheaper. But then they don't recognize that what lifestyle do you want to live? Don't take like Facebook or YouTube and be like, I read that I can get an apartment for two, I can get a mansion for 200 USD. And when when was that article written and how are they living and where were they? And are, is it in a place that you want to be? Is it connected to the things that you need to be connected to? Like a lot of things, right? It's important. And so please do your research on your number and what that lifestyle looks like for you. And I would say probably overestimate than underestimate because things happen. And you go abroad, things happen. Expectations just... Just know what your number is, because again, this is part of the skeleton that builds your business for you to be to for you to be sustainable and for you to actually make this work. You must have a clear vision, because also what the number does is going to let you know how much you need to work with the what you need to price your business, your services and your products for maybe even who your target customer is. You may think it might be Sally and Joe and really it's Maria and Bill. Okay, this is why it's important for you to really understand what your number is. The fifth step in this build a business abroad guide. Again, you can find it in the link in the bio. It's basically a one on one guide. A lot of things get you thinking about how would you develop a business so you can go abroad. The fifth step is to start market testing and networking as a valuable resource. This is a whole thing. This could be a whole conversation by itself. How do you start market testing? You start market testing by one, really deciding what are the services? What are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your expertise that you are plan on exchanging for money? That's what a market test is. You start saying, okay, I could do X, Y, and Z. Let me see if somebody wants X, Y, and Z from me. Let me see if I even want to give X, Y, and Z. Let me see how I want to get X, Y, and Z. Let me see what the prices are, if that makes sense with my number, like in step four. So that's really important is you need to start market testing before you have a brand, before you have a website, before you have a logo and colors and a whole market strategy and things like that. You need to see if people are even interested in what you are providing, if they want it from you. That is really key because, again, you don't have a business unless you make money. That's just how it works. If you don't make money, if you don't convert, if you don't have sales or revenue, you don't have a business. You don't have a you don't have a profitable business if you don't have profit. So there's levels to this. You don't have a business if you don't have any revenue. You don't have a profitable business if you don't have profit. You don't have a sustainable business if that profit isn't of such an amount that you, it can sustain the business, right? With investments, overheads, and also feed you and your whole crew, right? That is important. So we market test first. We market test using our network. Now, this specific advice are for people who are going to be tapping into their talent and their expertise in to leverage into a business. However, this actually advice can be applied to really anyone, depending on what kind of industry you're going to go into. Because in my mind, how I approach any kind of project or endeavor is you always tap into the things that you know and you always tap into your network regardless if you feel like you're going if you're like i'm an accountant but now i'm gonna sell cookies girl we're still going to tap into our network like why would we start at zero that is that's a sucker move don't do that you have spent years building relationships people trust you in some sort of capacity don't you think that even if they don't need your business or your service because you decide to sell cookies now, 
You don't know, you don't think they know somebody that wants cookies? Like it is important for you to market test. It is important for you to network as a valuable resource. Market testing, once again, is to go and ask your network, ask the people that you've worked with, you build relationships. If you're going to be an accountant and you have a specific part of the system, accounting services that you want to niche down in and you want to provide to customers and friends or to acquaintances, it's important for you to say, hey, do you still have this problem that I've helped you with or I've consulted you with, with you? You Do you still have it? If they say, no, I figured it out. Do you like that service? Do you think it's valuable? Do, would you use it again? These are questions. I still have this problem and it's really irksome. Great. What do you think would be the solution for that? Ask them those questions. I'm offering this. Would that be interesting to you? Do you feel like that would solve your problem? Yes, and yes, but yes, period. This is part of the research to say, hey, I think I'm on to something because I got something, people want it, and they're like, and they're willing to exchange money for it. I'm on to something. That is a business idea. Everything else is not a business idea. Everything else is just a cool thought. It's not a business idea unless it makes money, period. That's just how it works, right? And then you want to network as a valuable resource. Networking as a valuable resource is really key. And I make it separate than market testing because networking as a valuable resource does so many different things. One, it showcases your authority and your credibility in your area, right? So even if you are an accountant that went into cookie making, you can still network as an authority and credibility in cookie making, right? You niche down and you say, I know this about cookies. I do this kind of things. You network, you talk to people about your cookie making. And so people are like, yeah, I'm trying to make cookies for the kids this week. You know what? Let me talk to so-and-so because they are what? The authority. They have the credibility. They are a valuable resource in cookie making. Yes. Yes. But also what networking as a valuable resource does is that you get to tap into other people's networks because they're like, oh, I know you're part of their mental Rolodex. I know someone that does that. But also what it can really help is for you to actually launch your marketing endeavors, right? That's what networking as a valuable resource does. You are speaking to people about what you do and you're showcasing. You are literally warming up your sales funnel. You are warming up leads for people to enter into your sales funnel. I will get into sales funnel perhaps at a later date, but basically you're warming up people to come in and experience your services, experience your difference, and then to eventually purchase from you. So it's really important to do it, but also it's quite natural. It's quite natural to talk about, yeah, I'm going into cookie making, but you know, actually I come from three generations of bakers. You may not have known that about me. What? Really? Yeah. We used to win blue ribbons and all like, that's what it does. You start building the authority, the credibility, and then people are like, no, you know what? I want to buy cookies from her because she comes from three generations of bakers. So, you know, it gotta be good. That's what it does, right? Okay. Make sure that you have grabbed the build a business abroad business strategy guide. But I want you guys to actually take your time, drink some wine, drink some tea, and really answer these questions. The thing about business is that there really are no shortcuts. <laughs> okay. There really isn't. These questions will come up and you will have to answer them at some point. So you might as well get really clear about them now. All right. I just skip a step. I knew I skipped it, but I was on a roll. Okay. So before we do the networking and the market testing, we obviously want to do a marketable skills assessment, which is really important. This is crucial. You know that you're competent. You know that you are badass, that you, you know, put me in the game, coach. Like I got it. Regardless if you love what you do now or you don't, you know, you're like, look, the issues that come up in my job, I know how to handle them. I might not like the people I work with. I may not like what I do, but I can get it done. When people come to me, they know it's going to get done and I handle my business, period. So a really important part of this kind of analysis when you're thinking about, okay, what can I do abroad? How do I want to build this business? Is to really do a marketable skills assessment and see what are your skills because it's nebulous in our mind. Like we know what we do, but then we're like, uh, we always undervalue that. So what I want you to do 
is I actually want you to take like your CVs from like the past five, eight years. I don't know, however long you want to go. I want you to take each job that you've done and if you've done any volunteering, especially if it's in a field that you're really interested in going into, because sometimes we volunteer, we dabble in things that we really like to do, but we don't do it professionally. I want you to take that and then I want you to write down like the day-to-day -day or whatever the event was, all the tasks that you did, right? I want you to write it down. It seems tedious, but that's the gold mine. That's the gold mine in creating something that is going to make you professionally fulfilled and make you financially abundant because you're like, oh, I really like this and I can see how I can monetize this and I want to. Because you don't want to try to start a business and you have the same kind of dread feeling that you may have had at work. Why doesn't it, like building a business is too hard for that kind of nonsense. You got to like what you do. I'm sorry. Maybe other people can do it. I don't recommend it. No. So I want you to write down all of the things, all of the tasks, and especially because this happens, especially the things that are not within your job description that you do and that people would come to you for. So even if you're an accountant, but in the office, people are like, but you're like the best event planner and we need to have our accounting party, our Christmas party, but you're the best one. Write that down. Because what you will find is one, you're going to impress the heck out of yourself and be like, I really am that one. Look at all these things that I clearly can do and I'm amazing at. But then you can really start saying, what are the things that I really enjoy doing? And what are the things that people continuously ask me to do? They always want my advice about. They always come to me and I'm just like, sure, I could do it. I could do it. It's no problem. Those are the things that you, we want to really hone in on. And we want to see like, is this monetizable? Will people pay me for this? That's what we want to do. We want to mine our own competencies. There's no need for you to go online to be like, what are online businesses I can create? What? We're not looking for answers outside of ourselves like that. We can look online for maybe systems, structures, software, whatever. But when it comes to our core competencies, when it comes to our genius, our zone of genius, when it comes to the things that we feel are going to make us professionally fulfilled, we oftentimes already know what it is. It just is what it is. A lot of times we're just trying to convince ourselves and say, like, can I make money doing this? Yes, you can. Because remember... There was a time in which people sold pet rocks and they made a lot of money. So I'm so sure that you can do whatever you're doing and provide it with your expertise and your competence to someone. All right. I mean, even beanie babies are a thing. They're just stuffed animals, but yet they are valued at so much more. And I don't really understand it. So we're going to stay in our lane. We're going to stay in our competency. Or if you decide to change industries we're going to utilize our competency and we're going to use our brilliance to make a move into a different industry i'll give you an example i launched a podcast i had no idea what i was doing i wasn't in audio i was never in a radio club i had no idea about editing i hadn't i didn't know anything I listened to podcasts, but I didn't listen to that many podcasts. Like I just listened to This American Life and that was about it. Maybe a couple others, but I wasn't even like a podcaster. But you know what I am? I'm a researcher. I'm an executor, right? I have a degree in business, a degree in law. I have experience in startups and building my own business. So I understand like research, but I understand research and experimentation. I understand research and iteration. Like you got to test it out you gotta try it out so i didn't have any experience in podcasting i don't know what i was doing i had a friend and i asked her but she actually runs a podcasting production company and was talking to really major brands so she didn't have time to handhold me she was like girl you got it this is a hobby right you got it bye <laughs> i was like okay i don't know what i'm doing so I took my expertise and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know there's there's systems you can have to get guests. There's different types of equipment to record and remote record and to edit and all these other things. And I was just like, what do I know? Okay, I know how to edit documents, right? You're like, what does that mean? 
There is an option for so many different types of audio editing equipment. I picked the one that was closest to editing Word documents. It's called the script. I was like, yep, I can do that. Sure. What else? What else is happening? <laughs> you know, because I have experience in startups, I'm like, this needs to be as lean as possible. So I'm not a microphone. No, I'm not trying to get that. I'm going to use this iPhone 11 that I just bought. And I'm like, I'm going to experiment with how to get the best sound out of this iPhone 11. I'm going to do my own templates for emails and I already have like an automation system in my brain of how I like to manage incoming and how I like to manage projects. And I just did that. I just did what I innately did. Were there mistakes? Of course, I don't know what the hell I was doing. But did it get the job done? Yes. Did, you know, the podcast is successful? Yes, and I'm so grateful. Is the podcast monetized? Yes, I'm so grateful, <laughs> but listen to me. I didn't say, I don't know anything about podcasting. Let me read a podcasting book and then let me do everything from zero and like completely ignore my expertise, my, my experience, my education, my intuition. And let me just start doing something like, no, why would I do that? Or, and let me completely ignore my network and just start from zero. No, that's ridiculous. I started with the things that I had and I leveraged it even into a different space, into a different industry. And that's what I want you all to do, right? That's the whole point of understanding what your marketable skills are and really appreciating them. That's why I say write it down. When you write it down, you actually start affirming yourself. You really start actually seeing your value. Because we will stay in one lane for so long and think that is the total definition of who we are. When it's not, when most of us can do so many different things across industries, except we don't give ourselves the credit because we don't even value our abilities like that. But when you're trying to build a business and you're like, let me see, what can I do? What can I monetize? You actually start getting really clear about, oh, I can provide value like this, 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 this. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And they don't even have to be necessarily connected. And that's so important, right? We don't want to start from zero because there's no need to start from zero. We just need to be smart about it. But also by tapping into our own experiences, our own expertise, it also helps ensure that the business will be viable. Like we can actually launch it and we can actually sustain it. Because it's not like we're complete fish out of water trying to do things in a very strange way. Hey, I hope that you are enjoying this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. And if building a business, if having your own business has been part of your vision of a life well lived for quite some time and you haven't been able to really make it happen, or perhaps you aren't as profitable as you'd like, or perhaps you're not sustainable like you would like, like you would need to be to live abroad then I invite you to join my Build a Business Abroad group coaching program. You can learn more about me as a business strategist and more about the program at my professional website, christinejobe.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-J-O-B.com. And of course, there'll be links to all of this information in the description of this episode. All right, back to the show. The next thing I want to talk about now that we talked about that is if you have the build a business abroad guide, which again, you can get in the link in the bio, download it, read it, drink some tea or some wine. I also put together some important considerations for you to think about when you are building a business abroad. These considerations obviously are nuanced for if you have a completely online business with no physical products, that's obviously going to be different than an online business with physical products that must be delivered to a brick and mortar business that has products that needs to be delivered or a completely local base, right? These are all different types of businesses and I can't talk about all of them, but in general, Things that is important to, to think about is, again, your type of business. How are you going to operate? How are you going to exchange your services? How are people going to give you money? Think about what that business is, right? And 
From that point, we then want to think about the infrastructure that is needed to do this exchange of services and money, right? We need to think about if I have an online business, but I have physical products and need to get delivered and I live in Turkey, but my audience or my most of my buyers are in the UK. How am I going to deliver these services to them? How? Am I going to have a warehouse or some kind of space that's going to be based in the UK that's going to deliver these services? Am I sending them from Turkey to the, to the United Kingdom? And how does that work? Customs, taxes, things like that. What is the lead time necessary? Is Am I sending something that will die or not die like a plant? Which well, that was a bad example because sending like plants and things like that has a lot of restrictions on it. But will you send something that will rot like food or that needs a certain kind of care that has a shelf life kind of thing? That's important to think about. If you have a fully online business, meaning you uh, exchange services, right? So you may have deliverables, but they're all digital. You can deliver them digitally or you have digital products, things like that. Still, you need to understand what the infrastructure is, right? You need to know connectivity. Are you in a place in which you have good internet and not like, oh, sometimes good internet, like you, you can still do your business like all the time, right? Or power are you in a place that has power issues or has some kind of natural disaster kind of things or natural occurrences that may knock out your connectivity or your electricity think about that are you on a fault line is there a lot of earthquakes there's a volcano i don't know is there a tsunami season where you're like the winds start whipping up and i don't know that's important to think about right infrastructure is super key Another important consideration that I just don't think people really consider, especially if they consider themselves a digital nomad, this is something that people like, psh, they don't care, which is your visa requirements and limitations. I'm going to say this, fight me if you'd like, bring it, I don't care. But just because you're a digital nomad doesn't mean that you can work and be a digital nomad anywhere in the world. Let me repeat that. Just because you're a digital nomad, meaning you are not working with physical products in a country, you're not, you're not working off the economy, your customers are not in this country that you're in for a short period of time, it actually doesn't mean that you can be a digital nomad legally. What you have seen and what is normalized is that people are working. Um, some people have digital nomad visas because this is a recent kind of phenomena where people like countries are like, oh, y'all just staying here working. Right. OK, you gonna need to pay a visa and social tax for that. And there are some countries that don't. So people are working on a tourist visa. Most tourist visas around the world do not allow you to work because you are supposed to be there spending money, not making money. And the thing is that why this is really important for you to consider is that there's also this like weird rumor that's not true, that people think that if you don't make money in a country, then you do not have to pay taxes. No, most tax jurisdictions, one, there's like hundreds, obviously, because there's hundreds of countries, tax jurisdictions, they're not the same. So there's that. So please do your research. Please understand what makes you a tax resident in a country. It is also not the same. Please. Sometimes you engaging in work of any kind makes you a tax resident in a country. So do your visa and also understand that just because you have a valid visa does not make any other behavior legal, right? Whatever your visa is for this behavior, if you are outside of this behavior, your visa can become null and void because you violate the visa, right? It's a legal document. Yes. So you need to understand what your visa requirements are, the limitations, what you need to have a business in this country, or even if it's online, what kind of things you need to make sure that you have, you need to make sure you need to know that. Okay. You understand if you need to register your business in your country. So some countries you can have a foreign registered business. And if you have any customers in the country or if you have any kind of directed marketing or sales, you can usually register as a foreign entity to do business in the country. But sometimes you can't. 
Sometimes they're like, no, you need to create a business in this country. Sometimes you have to have a citizen who is a part of that business, a partner, sometimes 50-50, to open a business in a country. So please understand that starting a business to go abroad and to have abroad is more complex. It is not just take your laptop and go. I'm saying that because my philosophy has always been about thriving abroad. Thriving abroad requires you to think in a capacity that is much bigger than yourself. Thriving abroad is, yes, having a vision of a life well lived for yourself. It's also a vision that is, I think, reciprocal in nature with your community, that wherever you're living, this is important. This is important. And I think if you're really trying to build a life well lived with integrity, then you will take the steps to make these considerations and make sure that you are on the up and up. Also, you don't want some of these problems abroad. I don't think you want these problems in your home country. Some of these problems of, I didn't report that, I didn't pay my taxes. Some of these have consequences that you are not willing, you are not willing to face. So make sure that you know what's up. And don't try to do things on the low, low. And if you're going to do it on the low, low, don't tell anybody. How about that? You need to also need to understand the business culture. Yeah. And I'm saying this is important for if you have actually a fully online business, but even if you have a business that has local contact, you have customers or you have suppliers or whoever in country, it's really important because you need to understand as you are maneuvering as a entrepreneur, what is the, what's the climate and the culture? What is acceptable? How do I build trust in, and how do I assess trustworthiness and dependability in my suppliers? Or in, and when people tell me something, are they, is it that if people are telling me like, oh yeah, we'll come and install whatever. Are they lying to me as an okie doke or is it culturally that just meant, yeah, I said tomorrow, but I meant like, in two weeks it's important to understand that right does that make sense like if you need to understand what the cultural nuances are so that you can adjust because you need to adjust because you're not in your home country and you're not doing business like that so you need to understand what does this mean how can i assess if this is a good business decision for me can i work in this kind of community in this kind of environment am i moving to a place in which they're not going to take me seriously as a woman Am I moving to a place in which because of my religious or my religion, I may not be seen as trustworthy? Am I moving to a place in which I, I need to engage in bribery and things like that? And because they don't really see us bribery, they just see like this is how we get down. It's important to understand that. It's just, it just is. And I say that because even if you don't have a brick and mortar business, <clears throat> As a business owner, you have, you need to get internet, you need to get electricity. You, if you're a tax resident, you got to pay taxes. So you got to get an accountant or at least usually file within your country, depending on the tax treaty laws that you're engaged with. There's things that you still have to like get done on the day to day. And for you to make solid business decisions and to assess your life, you need to understand the culture. Like, how does it get down? Also, to go back to the visas, you need to understand like what is the climate for business in this country? What does the government really value right now? Are they trying to attract digital nomads or has a public, they have an uproar and they like hate digital nomads, so they just come for you. Understand what is going on so that you know how to play, you know how to maneuver in this kind of space. That's really important as well because also you'll learn where to align yourself how to market yourself. You'd be like, I'm not a digital nomad. I'm location independent service provider. <laughs> you figure it out, right? It's really important. Language. You really need to know the language. I was going to say that. You need to, you really need to know the language of whatever country you're moving to. Regardless if you have business again in that country or not, I think that it is important to at least strive. Some of us pick up languages faster than others. Hey, I haven't been in a place really that as long as you try, you're continuously striving, that it's a, a big issue for you not to be fluent. But it's important to engage in language and to know the language, or at least to employ a reputable certified translator. Because again, 
you will need to do this. You will need to know what you're signing for tax paperwork, business registration, all these other things that are in the government official language, which may not be English. Okay. And if you have a business that you're marketing it to the local population, even if you think you're going to be marketing it solely to expats or international, like you need to know the language if you need to change your marketing, your copywriting. You need to be able to communicate that way or you need to be able to employ a reputable copywriter in that language. Because Google Translate is not it. And I think all of us have seen some Google Translate nonsense in these internet streets. Don't do it because you look, it looks bad. It's bad. Another consideration is intellectual property. Some countries you may be moving to don't respect the intellectual property laws of your home country. Some countries have treaties and agreements. Some countries have similar protections, but different limitations, fair use laws, or different uh, durations for protections. So you need to know, especially if you're going to register business abroad, or you're going to be producing something abroad that may be for the local economy, or if you're going to work with government entities or have partners and things like that, intellectual property. It's really important for you to understand what you're getting yourself into. Because in the United States, we have trademark, we have trade secret, we have copyright, we have patent, we have a lot of different things. And that's not necessarily the same in other countries, right? In some countries, to get a foothold in the country to even start a business, you have to be willing to share all of your, your intellectual property. <laughs> and that's just how they play. So you need to understand that from the get-go. Also, I think that a lot of people who start businesses online, who don't think of themselves as like a startup or whatever, they don't really consider intellectual property, which I think is unfortunate. You want to consider an intellectual property. It doesn't mean that you necessarily have to go out and get an attorney and get a trademark immediately or whatever. You may want to, but you also understand trademark has to be used in commerce. So you, or at least has the intention to be used in commerce for, I think, only up to like six months in the United States. That's some of the lead time you have. So I think it's just important. I think it's smart because your intellectual property becomes an asset for your business. So as you're building, you want to protect it, obviously. Labor laws. Labor laws are so important to consider as well when you're abroad, regardless if you are going to be looking for contractors or for interns or suppliers or whoever or employees to run your business. You need to understand what the labor laws are. You need to understand what your commitment, your responsibility is as an employer. And if you are willing to go to fulfill that commitment. Some places are not a right to work kind of place. There's a lot of employee protections, which are great, but those also could be quite costly for you. Also, if you're an American watching this, understand that the IRS is actually getting a little bit more tough on who they're considering an employee in a work, in a contractor. So you may have a VA who does these things for you that are consistent and they get paid and they do the same hours and all this kind of stuff. And really, they actually might be considered an employee because of the uh, IRS, right? And that is a whole other thing because you got to start paying payroll taxes. You got to start doing deductions. There's a lot of stuff that goes with it. So I highly recommend you to consider that. I'm not saying that this should be a deterrent for you or should like, I got to think about this. I got to get a tax return. I got to do whatever. No, but look, this is like a list of things to do, right? Especially when your business starts picking up speed, you start making some money because, you know, the IRS doesn't really care. You can have an LLC. The IRS doesn't give a crap about if you have an LLC. They care if you make money, right? So <laughs> like we start making money, <laughs> they'll be like, okay, how are you structured? How are you? Okay, got it. Just having an LLC, they don't care. They don't care. <laughs> Because you don't make any money. Though in other countries, they actually will, maybe will care. I'll say here in Spain, if you're not autonomo, you're a freelancer, you got to pay your taxes and your uh, social security every month, every month on time, every time, regardless of how much money you make. So there's something else to consider. But be cognizant of the labor laws. Just be cognizant. Again, this shouldn't be a deterrent and it shouldn't really slow you down because until you start making some money, it, like there's no like chill out 
Working currency and currency exchange. I was just talking to somebody about this who is a digital marketer actually earlier this week who lives abroad. She was talking about how a lot of her clients are in the States and she gets paid in USD. Some of the stuff that's being projected in the economy in the future, she's starting to move her. She's changed her currency. She lives in Europe into euros and she wants to get paid in euros, right? That is something to consider when you get paid in a currency and you need to do the currency exchange, you may send it back to yourself, for example. So if I have a business, my business is registered in the United States. If I get paid in USD, you pay your taxes and then you have to convert it because I live on euros. You have to come back to me here in Spain to live my life. For me, it's problematic because there's currency exchange and it fluctuates a lot. I know what my expenses are in euros, but I don't know what my expenses are in USD converting to euros. Does that make sense? Because it always fluctuates. So what I do, I charge in euros because I can. that's easy for me to do the budget. This plus this minus this. Okay. <laughs> and then with the currency exchange that has to happen, I still end up where I need to be. So it's really important for you to consider what currency you're charging in and what are your currency exchanges. Services that can utilize, you can utilize in currency exchange. It's important consideration, right? Because some places you might be like, no, I want to rock in USD because I'm work, I'm living somewhere with bot or whatever, whatever works for you. But it's important for you to think about for sure and understand what the implications are especially with inflation involved. Tax exposure and implications, we talked about that. What kinds of activities expose you to taxes and don't run or hide from taxes because I don't feel like that's a good look. There's certain things that you need to make sure you're doing. If you are American watching this, you need to make sure that you file your taxes, which does not mean that you owe. It just means that you file because it makes it easier. Like if you want to get the stimulus, you want to make sure you got that. And just for other kind of up and up reasons, I would say, I say file. Cause a lot of times, depending on what you do and where you work and how much money you make, a lot of people, some people just don't owe. So just keeping that in mind, understanding your target market, which is it local or is it outward facing? That's really critical to understand if you're going to have a business abroad, because who are you speaking to? Who are you speaking to and whose problems are you solving? That's really crucial for your business to survive and to thrive. How do they like to being spoken to and what are they looking for? How do they determine what is authentic? How do they determine what is quality or of good value? That is something that you have to speak to. So you have to really decide who are you speaking to? Now, a lot of times, because my clients always say this to me, everybody thinks they're talking to everybody. And that's not true. It's not true you must niche. You must niche. Now, you may have a product that is outward facing, right? You have a very specific audience. It's working moms who live in Atlanta who like to spin. I don't know. That's your target market. And you may still get people who are not moms or who are stay-at-home moms who are not in Atlanta, but maybe they're thinking about moving to Atlanta or they just like whatever you're doing. And maybe they don't like to spend, but they just still like it. Like you may still get clients and customers who are outside of your niche market. It actually happens all the time. My podcast is centered in black women, right? It's not exclusively for black women, but I'm centering black women experience, black women across the diaspora. And let me tell you, I have listeners that are that do not identify as black and who do not identify as women. That's how it goes. But you know what it is that by niching down very specifically, I was able to really create a very potent kind of product, a, a potent offering that people are drawn to. People are drawn to the storytelling. They're drawn to the experiences. Whereas if you try to be for everyone, it automatically gets watered down. You understand what I'm saying? It's the same thing about any kind of product or service. Niche down until you feel like you can't niche down even more. And you will actually surprise yourself by the people who you attract, who will be fans and fanatics and you tell people and you'll be like, I don't even know. Like I said, you may have a product for Atlanta 
working moms who like to spin and you may have a grandpa from New York who's just like, I just like it. I think you guys are great. Like whatever. That's how it works. Okay. So please understand that. Also, I think it's really important to make sure that you have a support network while you are building a business. Some people get entrepreneurship. Some people don't. Some people are going to be detractors. Some people are going to be supporters, right? Some people can give you critical advice. I'm giving you critical advice, but I want you to win. I want, that's why I want you to think about it. I want you to think it through so that you can win. Some people are just going to discourage you. Entrepreneurship is a lonely experience. I'm not sure why, but it really is. It's a lonely experience. And when you couple it with going abroad, sometimes by yourself, or even if you're with a family, it can be an isolating experience. So it's important to have a support network, okay? You can't do it alone, nor should you want to. You want to be able to have like hive minds so you could be like, what accounting software are you guys using? Because I can't watch another YouTube video or read another blog about it. What are you guys doing? What's happening? And you can share what you've learned so that you can all grow and be supportive, right? I highly recommend having local support system and one maybe that's abroad. So your friends and family or a group of entrepreneurs from your home country and some that are here in your local country. Local country, of course, because there's going to be some nuances, taxes, visas, things that impact your business, just politically, economically, that you guys, I was going to say, you guys all need to gripe about because that's what ends up happening. But also you guys can also come together and understand each other and feel understood and maybe even find a way to create solutions. You'll want to have one from your home country if you want one. And if you're if you have a target market that's in your home country, you still want to be connected. It's really critical, I would say. Support is critical to make this thing go. Having community is critical. Also, when you create community and you build these relationships, you get to tap into their network, which is amazing, or their platform, or their audience, which is nice. <laughs> so you don't have to necessarily build everything from zero. So if you've gotten anything from this chat so far, you realize that I'm never trying to build something from zero. I'm trying to leverage whatever we have, right? I'm trying to make some everything in the pantry soup. That's me. I'm like, what well, we got? Because I'm not going to the store. We got this. I'm going to make it delicious. Let's make it happen. That's what we're trying to do with our business. We're not necessarily trying to come from zero because I don't think it's necessary. All of you are highly competent individuals with amazing services to give. It makes no sense for me that you need to start at zero. Now, I will leave you with this. It is important to to see that people are doing this abroad. If you are in the Build a Business Abroad Business Strategy Guide, which again, you can get it in the link in the bio, I have included, I don't even know how many of these are. Let's say 10. I've included 10, 10 stories I have captured on the podcast that talk about women who have taken their expertise, leverage their expertise into sustainable businesses. Some, for some of them, it's a side hustle. For some of them, it's a side hustle that they're soon going to replace and make it the full-time hustle. Maybe they just want multiple streams of income. For some, it's their whole gig. Some of these women are serial entrepreneurs. And I think it's important to hear these stories. It's important to, one, hear their origin story, how they came up with it. Because it's important to feel, to have that relatability, to know that you can do it too. That's, it's an incredibly important. But it's also important to see how these women have launched their business. It's important to see what were their maybe difficulties depending on their country or what they were trying to do or just what they're interested in because these women could also be resources for you. These women could soon be part of your network to help you get to where you're trying to go. So I hope that you have downloaded the Build a Business Abroad Business Strategy Guide. I hope that you take the time to really go through it, to really think and to really vision what your business would look like abroad, because I want you to win because you can. 
if this is what you want, you really can win. And I want you to. I want you to do it. I want you to do it on your own terms. I want you doing it, having and living the lifestyle you want to live. It's really important to me. It's incredible what can happen for you when you take yourself seriously. A lot of people overestimate what they can get done in a week and in a month, but they underestimate what they can do in a quarter because you can get a lot of stuff done in a quarter that can really launch you to where you're trying to go. But you have to have a direction. You have to have a vision. You got to know who you are in this moment and you got to have a direction that you're going in and you got to be committed. You like, you have to bet on yourself at some point you're going to have to say, I'm worth it and I can do it and I can learn how to do it, right? Because like I told you before, I don't know what I was doing with the podcast. I'm like, what? I don't know. Edit? Are you on What? Social media? Goodness. <laughs> that might have been worse. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. But I bet on myself because I was like, I have done things before and I can still do things and I'm going to figure it out. And because I was committed to it is a reason why the podcast has taken off the way it has, has been monetized, but also has opened up so many other doors for me that I would have never even have imagined. But it took me betting on myself. Did it take hard work? Yes. Were there tears? Yes. Especially with audio editing. <laughs> but you figure it out and you work it out and it is incredible. So... I think at some point you have to look yourself in the mirror and you're going to start to say, am I going abroad? Yes or no? When am I going abroad? Give yourself a date. And am I going to start this business? Not like someday. At some point, you got to stop lying to yourself because you're not a punk and you know if you're lying to yourself or not. You know what's up. At some point, you are actually going to have to either go or stay. And right now you're just staying, which is fine. But at some point, you got to stop talking about it. You got to be about it. Let's just get real. In 12 weeks, a lot of things can change for you, right? A lot of things can change. Let me be real. Like, I launched my podcast in 12 weeks. That's no, I'm not joking. I launched it and it did what it's doing what it's doing. A lot of things can really change, can change the trajectory of your life. That's no BS. So you really have to start thinking to yourself, if not now, then when? Especially like, you're like, well, I'm going for you, I'm going to you. Well, at what point are you actually going to start like taking the actions to do what you said you're going to do? You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to do a triathlon, at what point are you going to start swimming <laughs> and biking and running? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Build a Business Abroad mini season. I want you to one, take it all in, take a deep breath. You got this. Two, I want you to journal how you feel, initial reactions, initial ideas that you have. And I want you to know that with consistency, where you will find yourself in one year, let alone six months or even a month from now, is going to rock your world. Thanks to Zach Higgs for producing the music of this podcast. It's time for you to believe in yourself. And it's time for you to bet on yourself. You are more than capable and you are so ready for the next step. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.